The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Uh, So glad that you're here on a chilly winter's day. Um, We do have one announcement that we failed to make uh, before we begin, and we need to let you know that that Doug's mother was sent to the ER this morning with some uh, blood pressure issues and some uh, stroke symptoms, and so we need to uh, remember her in our prayers and and keep her in mind. Um, We're beginning a a new series this morning in the Gospel of Romans, and uh, hopefully you got a bulletin and you saw the... uh, the article on front there, or you read it in the email. Um, I think this is an important series for us. Romans is a wonderful book, an important book. Uh, but I hope that you won't just come on Sunday morning and listen to the lessons. That's part of it. I, I hope you'll do that. But also throughout the week, you'll read through Romans. This morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to begin by looking at the first seven verses in Romans. And so you can turn there and I'll, I'll read those and we'll um, talk about those. Romans 1, beginning in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it was exactly 500 years ago this year that Martin Luther famously nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And at that time, he had no idea of the significance of his actions. He was not aware that he was beginning a new movement that would forever shape and alter the Western world. The result of Luther's actions are still felt in our world today. And there were many things that that caused Luther to question some of the practices of the Roman Catholic Church. But at the heart of the Reformation was one book in particular, the book of Romans. And I want us to begin by noticing what Luther said about Paul's letter to Rome. He wrote, this letter is truly the most important piece in the New Testament. It is purest gospel. It is well worth a Christian's while not only to memorize it word for word, but also to occupy himself with it daily, as though it were the daily bread of the soul. It is impossible to read or to meditate on this letter too much or too well. The more one deals with it, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. So there you go. According to Luther, you need to go home and memorize Romans. So... um, you see how important he thought the book was. And he wasn't the only one to think it was so important. Uh, Karl Barth 
uh, one of the most important theologians of the 20th century. He authored three commentaries on Romans, and the preface to his third, he wrote, after all, there is always something new to learn from the epistle of Romans. And so throughout the years, many Christians have been greatly influenced by this book of the New Testament. At the same time, there have been many other Christians who have tried to read Romans and just felt overwhelmed. It is the longest of Paul's letters, and in places it's uh, difficult to understand. Paul makes long, drawn-out arguments, and it's helpful to try and read the book, or at least a, a large section of it, in one setting. Romans is a beloved book that's an important part of the New Testament. Most of the letters that, that we have in the New Testament were, were written by Paul, and, and Romans is his magnum opus. It is something all Christians should study. But, but don't be surprised if you get bogged down or begin to feel overwhelmed. Uh, you're not alone. One of the things I, I hope you'll do as we study this book is to you know, go home, to, to read it on your own, and as you're doing that, you may get frustrated, but if you do, uh, just go on. You, you just continue to read, and I guarantee you, you're going to benefit from that. And when we come together on Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book all together and hopefully unpack some of these big ideas so that we can begin to see how this uh, Word of God applies to our lives. The first part of Romans is important because Paul is laying a foundation for what he's going to discuss later on. And so it's important that we pay close attention to these first few verses because Paul is cluing us into what the letter is all about. And so these first seven verses, the, one that we, the ones that we just read, they are the greeting. And you may have noticed that, it, that it's longer than Paul's typical greeting. And it's even longer than the typical greetings that you find in the first century. Wherever we find something atypical in a letter or a book, then it should cause us to take a closer look because something's going on there. And in this particular greeting, Paul expands it in order to give us a definition of the gospel. And so he wants his readers to know what the gospel is up front before he unpacks it and discusses it later on. Now, the word gospel simply means good news. If you were to translate it, that's the translation. It is a word that was not unique to the Bible or even Christianity. It was used by people outside the church in the first century. It was an announcement of something that happened, an event that would change things in some way. And so heralds would often go into a town or a village, and they would proclaim the good news about the emperor or the king. Now, Paul uses this word in a similar way. He proclaims good news concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Well, what is this good news? Well, Paul tells us. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the good news of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, 
who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this isn't the first time that that Paul has summed up the gospel in a succinct way for a congregation. Uh, Bobby read for us 1 Corinthians 15 just a moment ago. And, And in that passage, Paul also explains what the gospel is. And there he says, according to the scriptures, uh, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. The gospel is comprised of cosmic events that forever change the world. And in Romans, Paul begins by telling us that this was something that God had planned all along. And so the gospel is spoken about in the prophets and other places in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Um, you know, just recently we spent several weeks looking at messages of hope found in Isaiah. And each passage that we looked at, it looked forward to Jesus. And so it was good news about what is to come. And then Paul begins to get more specific. And so he tells us that this gospel, this good news, is about the Son of God who has descended from David. Now, why is this important? It's because anyone who is a descendant of David comes from a royal lineage. And so good news was often associated with a king or emperor in the ancient world. And now Paul is telling us that this good news he is about to share concerns a king. Now, from time to time, it's going to be helpful in understanding Romans if we place ourselves in the shoes of of the people who lived long ago, the, the, the Christians in Rome. And so just imagine for a moment if you were one of those Christians. Paul has written letters to other cities, but Rome is special. Rome is the premier city in the ancient world. It's the capital of the empire. It is where the emperor lives. And they're probably quite accustomed to receiving good news about this pagan emperor who has control over the land in which they live, over the government in which they are under. And Paul opens this letter by telling them good news about a king who has control over the entire universe. And there are two events in the life of this king that have tremendous impact on our lives. And the first is the incarnation. And so Romans 1.3 says that Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh. This king is the son of God. He is the eternal logos, as John puts at the beginning of his gospel. He has existed for all time. He has no beginning or end. He has power over the universe. He is the creator. He is responsible for everything that we see. He is the reason that we are alive today, and yet he took on flesh and came to earth. And this one event changed everything. We live in the year 2017 because 2017 years ago, Jesus was born. God cared enough for us to come near. 
And yet, that's just part of what the incarnation is about. In Jesus, God revealed himself to us. He came to teach us what humanity is supposed to be like. We model our lives after Jesus because he's the only one that's ever lived a perfect life. And he continually teaches us how to behave and how to live as we continue to study his life. You know, people spend tons of money each year trying to learn how to live. But the good news is that we know how to live because Jesus has given us the model. And the other significant event that Paul refers to is the resurrection. And so if there was ever any doubt whether or not Jesus was who he said he was, uh, the resurrection clears it up. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And so there's no other way to explain the resurrection than it was by the power of God. People simply do not come back from the dead. We do not have the power within ourselves to resurrect ourselves. The resurrection confirmed Jesus' identity to the entire world. It was a proclamation to all living creatures. It is good news to all because Jesus overcame death and he gives us that same hope. It is good news because we now have solid evidence that there is life beyond the grave. And it is because of these two events that we proclaim Jesus as our Lord. Now this word gospel that Paul uses a couple times here at the beginning of his letter, it's not just suggested advice. It's not a story about something, you know, you may or may not want to try. It is news about an event that you must respond to. And so something has happened, and you now need to make a decision. The Christians whom this letter was originally written to, they lived in a city where an emperor claimed that he was Lord. And citizens of Rome, whether you lived in Rome or not, you were expected to profess Caesar as Lord. And Paul now writes to them, informing them that the real Lord, the one you should be confessing, is Jesus. He is God in the flesh. He has been raised from the dead. And these events are more significant than any event that's associated with Caesar. These events have implications for the entire world. They change everything. And either you profess Jesus as Lord or you don't. Those are the only two options. And because of the importance of these events, Jesus has commissioned apostles and missionaries to go out into the world and to proclaim this good news. And Paul happens to be one of these apostles. And he wasn't called to be an apostle because he was qualified. In fact, you could say the opposite. He was a Pharisee who opposed Christianity. But God uses him anyway. And the good news is delivered 
in earthen vessels, as he'll later write to the Corinthians. Uh, What he means by that is the good news is delivered by imperfect human beings. That's who God uses. And it's because uh, the gospel is about God, and it's not about us. Paul's mission is to share good news with as many people as possible so that they might obey the faith. Listen to what he writes in verses 5 and 6. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. What does it mean to bring about the obedience of faith? Well, I think we can safely say it means to respond to the gospel by giving your life to Christ and putting him on in baptism. Paul's going to talk about the importance of baptism in Romans chapter 6. But we also need to remember that Paul is writing to Christians. Uh, The recipients of this letter had already been baptized. And so whatever this means, it goes beyond baptism as well. Obedience of faith is something that applies to our everyday lives. It's the decisions that we make on a daily basis. It's how we choose to live. And as Christians, we are to live like Jesus. And when we do this, we are obeying the faith. In 2006, a deranged man took 10 Amish schoolgirls hostage. And as the situation escalated, it was clear that the girls were in real danger. Uh, Marion and Barbara Fisher, two of the oldest girls in that classroom, uh, they requested that the gunmen shoot them and allow all the other girls to go. That's obedience of faith. To volunteer, to lay down your life for others, is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's one of the greatest uh, sacrifices a person could make. And these two girls offered themselves in the place of others who were smaller, who were younger, and who were weaker. Uh, Many of us will never find ourselves in a situation like that. But each day, we are called to have the mind of Christ. We are called to die to ourselves and to live for Jesus. We are to walk in step with the Spirit of God. We are to reject the works of the flesh and to display the fruit of the Spirit. We are to be like Jesus in every way. And this is obedience of faith. It's not a one-time decision that we make. It is little and big decisions that we make each and every day. And the gospel is an event so big that it influences everything we do. It's something that we should continually meditate on so that our lives will reflect Jesus more and more. And so over the next few months, we're going to be digging into Romans so that we can know the gospel better and so that our lives will be transformed into the image of Christ. And from the beginning, Paul wants us to know that we have a duty to be obedient to the faith. 
Because this is a daily mission that lasts our entire lifetime. And some days are going to be easier than others. Some days, uh, you know, we're going to go to our job or we're going to go out into the world and serving others and doing good is just going to come naturally. And other days, we're going to wake up in a bad mood. We're going to be easily irritated. And there's going to be easy days and hard days. But our mission is always the same. We must display obedience of faith in our lives. Because we have encountered this good news. And we want to share it with others. And so this week, I I encourage you to reflect on the gospel Uh, You may want to read Romans chapter 1, spend some time thinking about all these things that Jesus has done for you. Um, You know, Steve gave us a wonderful example of that um, by sharing with us what he reflects on during the Lord's Supper. But, But don't make it just that one moment, you know, on Sunday. Do that each day. Do it throughout the week. And prepare yourself to act accordingly. Live in such a way that the people around you are able to see Christ in you. And challenge yourself to live obediently to the faith in each decision that you make. And when you do this, you will experience the power of the gospel. Something we'll talk about next week. It's something that that blesses our lives and transforms us in ways that we cannot imagine. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for this good news that has shaped us, saved us, and continues to challenge us. May a day not go by that we don't reflect on what you have done for us. And may this good news influence every action, every decision, every word that we speak in our lives. We're so thankful for the things Jesus has done. We're thankful for him coming to earth and showing us how to live. We're thankful for the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. And we're thankful for the power of his resurrection. Be with us as we strive to be shaped by the gospel as we share it with everyone we meet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.